Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here. Uh, one game out from the All-Star break. The Bucks will play the Grizzlies tomorrow in Memphis. The end of an eight-game homestand. It feels like they've been at Fiserv Forum forever, but they'll have one game on the road uh, before the break there, and we'll get to see Giannis on All-Star weekend. I don't know how many people are too excited about that, but before I bring in my esteemed co-host for today. I have to remind you, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. I'm sure that's going to be an absolute shocker for you guys who is taking out the Player of the Week. But joining me today to talk about some roster moves and really probably just sum up the first half of the season so far with the break uh, coming up here is Mitchell Mauer from brewhoop.com. I've been working or the last few weeks I was away for a little bit. So we haven't spoke for what feels like weeks, but how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's always good to talk to you again, Kane. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It's been fun to be back doing this daily. I think I kind of didn't realize how enjoyable I find this talking to literally just talking to people who are at the Bucks every day, even if, you know, they put up a stinker like they did yesterday. It's still fun. You know, the next day you come back, you're looking positive towards the next game. And the Grizzlies, actually, we'll touch on this before we dive into anything else. The Grizzlies are going to be an interesting team for the Bucks to play. They've just snuck above 500. They've been playing pretty good basketball. And Taylor Jenkins, again, honestly, if the Grizzlies continue this upward trajectory, is probably going to find himself on the periphery of the Coach of the Year uh, award again because the Grizzlies have had significant injuries. They will go into this game without Jaron Jackson Jr., who is coming back from uh, a meniscus surgery that he had. Grayson Allen also won't play with concussion, but the Grizzlies are a sneaky good team, and this will be one last little challenge on a night that I think I mentioned it yesterday, but on a night where I never really have too much confidence at all. The last game before the All Star break, who knows what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, there's no way to really know for sure this year. And I think that's one of the things that I think is too easy to miss because the fact that we have NBA basketball back and, and you know we've, we've re-achieved that little tiny slice of normalcy that we all enjoyed before COVID shut down the NBA uh, just about a year ago. I think we're coming up on the year anniversary. Um, I, th- I think it's easy to, to to overlook how weird everything is with the schedule, with travel, practice time availability, and you know I think the overall level of shooting being higher across the league is another part of that. And it's just the, and it's in the NFL. I know there's that saying any given Sunday, and I think it's it's kind of like that for most teams in the NBA, which is really unfortunate that the Bucks have had to make as many changes over the course of the regular season as they have. Because it definitely shows in their record. 
Yeah, and I think consistency based on the schedule has been an issue right across the league as well, whether it is a team like the Bucks who had an extended homestand, and they certainly took advantage of that. They caught a couple of teams that were traveling on back-to-backs. I know it didn't end so well with that game against the Nuggets yesterday, but generally the Clippers were on a road trip, and before that uh, they had another a couple of those teams that were on tough uh, East Coast road trips for them, the Kings as well, even though they haven't been playing well. So I just think that... More than anything this year, the schedule is playing a factor. The Bucks have really struggled on the road. That hasn't been the case in previous seasons. So we'll see if they can end it on a high note tomorrow. But uh, let's dive straight into the roster stuff from overnight or overnight for me during the day for you guys. It would have been. But Jalen Adams, uh, he is going to be waived or has been waived. That's the report. I believe Eric just tweeted it to confirm that. But uh, we basically put the pieces together after Shams uh, did tweet earlier in the day that the Bucks were going to sign Miles Powell. Now, he has been with the Westchester yeah. Knicks, and uh, he's out of Seton Hall. I actually think you know a little bit more about him than I do, Mitchell. What, what am I missing here? I mean, he's, he's a guard, uh, first of all. That's probably the most important info. But given you know Jalen Adams really struggled to really show a lot when he did get his limited chances in the NBA, fantastic G League player, hasn't really translated... Uh, to the NBA. This to me is just, uh, let's give another guy a shot who's been playing pretty well in the G League bubble. Yeah, it's funny. I know in the in the DM thread that we had going earlier in the day, the one that we've had, had for a while, I, f- I feel like every time I listen to an episode, there's some mention of the DM thread, <laughs> which is always, a fun little Easter egg for me. Um, but Jalen Adams had just kind of run his course in the NBA. It's, it's funny to think that last year, he was the G League MVP runner-up to teammate Frank Mason for the Wisconsin Herd. And he just never really caught on, even in the limited opportunities he did get with the Bucks with his two-way contract this year. It just, like, every time he took the floor, he was just kind of there. He was trying stuff out. It rarely worked. And that was basically just it. And, you know, I hope that he gets another opportunity somewhere. I think that the Bucks kind of concluded that they had, gotten a good enough look and they didn't necessarily have anything else they could expect. And so they decided to, you know, move on to another prospect because you never know with Mamadi Diakite getting called up. You never know when another diamond in the rough might come available. And there's a lot of people out there that might think that Miles Powell is that diamond. Uh, With the Westchester Knicks so far this year, um, He's the way that I kind of interpret his game after watching like one or two highlight videos uh, of his time with the uh, with the G League and uh, in college with Seton Hall is that he's a perimeter scorer. Uh, he's definitely not shy about getting shots up. in In twenty eight minutes a game, he's shooting over six threes per game. He's connecting on nearly forty five percent of them. So he seems to be able to do a lot of his damage uh, off the catch, off the bounce. Uh, seems to have uh, a lot of responsibility. Uh, it appears, uh, reading a little bit about his time at Seton Hall, uh, in his junior and senior years, he was expected to do more than just score. Like he had a lot of responsibilities, and that might have been partly to blame for the decrease in his production his senior year. Uh, overall, his his game kind of reminds me of DJ Augustine. He's, he's a couple inches taller than DJ, and he, he doesn't have the playmaking numbers that Augustine has. At least as a scorer, he seems to be the kind of guy who, who is at his best when he's hunting for his own shots uh, with the ball in his hands. 
I think before anyone calls us out on this, it's also worth mentioning there is uh, some off-court stuff with Jalen Adams. And I must admit, I this came or this happened when I was working at the tennis and I literally completely missed this report at all. I didn't even know that this was a thing. That's how far out of the loop I was there uh, with what was going on with Jalen Adams. So I, I don't know much more about that. Uh, perhaps that was a contributing factor. I, I don't know. I can't really comment on that. But either way, uh, yeah, I don't think he got huge opportunities but certainly with the Wisconsin herd not playing this season as well, it's just difficult for those guys, particularly with the Bucks rotation. He wasn't really going to get a shot. Whether or not Power gets an opportunity, I probably think not, particularly with the G League season starting to run its course. But it is worth noting, I mean, you mentioned second in MVP voting, and one of the points that Justin Garcia made on yesterday's show was that G League guys that translate to the NBA and have a real impact generally are guys that, dominate the G League. Now, there's a lot of guys that put up huge numbers at the G League, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to translate and become really good NBA players. But Jalen Adams and Frank Mason last year, Adams averaged 21 points, five rebounds, five assists on 40% from three. And Frank Mason averaged 25 points, uh, five assists, and he, he was the MVP of the G League. So incredibly, they had first and second there. But it is an example, and perhaps it's more diluted at the guard position than it is with athletic bigs, and we're going to move on to that. I'm sure that's probably why a lot of people are listening to today's podcast, but we'll get to that. But again, it is an example that sometimes uh, can be based on situation as well, but Frank Mason in particular is one of those guys that, uh, you know, is a fringe NBA player. He could be on a, in a rotation on a team that isn't playing all that well, but necessarily on a contender. He can go from dominating to an MVP standpoint at the G League, and then uh, that, that potentially isn't necessarily going to translate to a winning basketball team. And there's a number of factors there, size and, and all the rest. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into that. But it is just an example of a couple of guys that have put up monster numbers in the G League that necessarily haven't worked out uh, with the Bucks at the NBA level. All right, it's Diakite time here on the show. But first, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And I hinted this at the start, Mitchell, and really, uh, let's be honest, it could be the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. I don't really care how you want to describe this, but it's three for three for Giannis. I'm sure he's going to be thrilled about this. I'll have to let him know uh, in the next post game. But over the last four games, Giannis, 34 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, 60% from the field, 75% from the free throw line. So that free throw percentage is holding for now. This has been an extended period now. He went right through uh, the month of February there with that percentage up there in the mid-70s. He was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. But Mitchell, there was no other player that could possibly take out this prestigious award this week. No, Chris Middleton is still working his way out of his mini slump. Drew Holiday obviously is coming back after an extended downtime. Uh, Giannis is the reigning MVP of the entire league. And it seems as though he's worked through a lot of the wrinkles in his game that were plaguing him early in the season. And he's just, he's calm. He's playing under control. He doesn't have nearly as many of those wild forays that result in turnovers or charges. He just, he's letting the game come to him. He's having fun. But you, you can definitely see it uh, after that big time dunk to close out the Clippers game, like just how happy he was uh, being able to make, be in position to make that play and have those, those success come as a result of that work. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's Giannis's team, it's Giannis's game, and we're just all living with it. Well, you mentioned joy. So joy, happiness, and enjoyment are a big part of the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. And we always ask, are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? Giannis, at the moment, is happy 
whether the Bucks are winning or losing. And I think that that's a positive thing. Even yesterday, early in the game against the Nuggets, when he had those early dunks, uh, he was smiling. And I, I really can't remember a period in his career where he has looked this happy playing the game, which I have to admit, as someone that uh, watches the Bucks and all of us, as much as we watch the Bucks and how much time we spend watching this team, it is fun uh, to see him with a smile on his face as much as he does. Uh, we're going to talk about our friends at betonline.ag as well. And it was interesting. I did quote tweet a betonline.ag tweet from earlier today. It had some of the MVP odds. And interestingly enough, despite the fact that we talk about Giannis, how dominant he is, the fact he should be in the MVP conversation, the odds uh, are continuing to blow out for Giannis, which I think is just a, an indication of the fact that uh, no one wants to put money on this guy. And, and There might be a point where I would be sucked into that, but it's the understanding that we have that getting voted to win MVP three times in a row is just such a difficult task and it feels like he's not going to have a chance to win it. But you can check out the MVP odds if you think that now is the time to get on with Giannis if he's going to continue this high level of play, which I guess we all at this point expect that he's going to bet online. is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action as you cover for the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski. Uh, who we know very well from Lockdown Packers. And it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Lockdown today, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, all right. It, it's time, Mitchell. We, we've, we've sucked everyone it's time. in. They, they tuned it's in time. this podcast to hear about one man and one man only. And now it is time to do it. We had the conversation about Lopez, Portis, and Diakite yesterday. We hypothesized that... Towards the end of the season, he's probably going to be with the team. That's going to coincide with the G League season coming to an end. And overnight, it happens. The Bucks recalled uh, Diakite to the main roster. And I, I got to tell you, and we can get into this uh, a little bit, but I tweeted that he had been called up to the Milwaukee Bucks. And over the last couple of years, I've done a few of these tweets where we get the press release from the Bucks. Such and such has been called up to the NBA. I tweeted out, no one generally cares. This tweet got over a thousand likes and it is still counting. I have never seen the hype train for a player like this. I I can't remember it for a guy that was undrafted, uh, really signed and everyone thought, oh, this is cool. He's a fun player. He's got some athletic traits. This will be interesting. Don't really expect him to play. So all of a sudden now it feels like the momentum for this guy is through the roof. I think the first point before we really dive into it here to note is that he is not going to play against Memphis. He's in the health and safety protocol. And I see that there's some talk out there, well, the Bucks are cheap. They didn't get him a charter plan. I mean, to me, this is very, very simple. And I don't want to pour a wet blanket on anyone's ideas of what he was being called up to do. There's only a couple of games left in the G League season. And then they'll start their playoffs. Uh, He's been playing a lot. The Lakeland Magic had a number of games across this weekend, which is actually the NBA All-Star break. So to me, he's shown enough down there. He averaged 18 and 10, shot the ball from three incredibly well, protected the rim, did everything you really would want to see from this guy uh, down there. And to me, this is just the Bucs saying, 
come have an all-star break, man. Come back to Milwaukee, get some treatment, relax. You can be with the team for the rest of the season now. I don't think that this was a call to bring him up to play. Again, I don't want to disappoint anyone, but the timing of it just makes too much sense that this is actually the real case. Now, see, that, the, the only problem I have with that theory, Kane, because it's probably correct, because it does things like follow logic and consider context and maintain realism. But screw that, Kane. It's Diakite time. This guy is going to do it all. He's going to go one on five against the Memphis Grizzlies. Damn the protocols. He is going to single-handedly take down John Morant. He is going to single-handedly defeat the coronavirus. He planned the parade now, Kane, because Diakite is here, and he is here to stay. The only thing we can't do is sign into a Supermax extension because we already gave it to Giannis Adetokounmpo. But maybe we'll look back at this fateful day as when we realized the mistake that that was. Was that hyperbolic enough? Did I lay it on thick enough to, well, to get, uh, get it across how I really feel about it, or do I need to go a little bit further? No, I thought, I thought you were actually being serious. So I'm not, I'm not going to take your claims that you were joking now <laughs> at this point. Uh, it, it's interesting because I, I do... I've thought a lot about this, particularly over the last couple of weeks. And, and it, I, I tweeted about this just to say that the Twitter machine is unbelievable because this hype really has come out of one guy that's been tweeting out some highlights. Like, that's that's yeah. I mean, I, I can't possibly bring myself to believe that there is that many diehard G League fans out there that have analyzed this guy's game and to the nth degree and decided that he's going to be the difference in the championship team. I can't bring myself to feel that. So it's uh, more than anything. I'm actually just, it's incredible. It's an incredible indication of what Twitter can do and how you can, you can really get uh, the crowd support behind something. But I do want to say, and I've mentioned this a couple of times over the last sort of days here is we sort of felt that this was going to be the case. This was going to happen. Diakite, the prospect, to me, is is very intriguing. I think that a lot of the excitement and perhaps a lot of the angst around what might happen with him is clearly linked to what happened with Christian Wood. The interesting thing for me when I compare his game and what he's been doing down in the G League compared to what Christian Wood was doing in the G League is that I actually do think that the, the way that Diakite has been playing with the Lakeland Magic is more translatable to the NBA and what the Bucks are trying to do than what Christian Wood was doing back in the day. And I, I remember I was fortunate enough to uh, travel to the, to the great town of Oshkosh a couple of times to see a couple of Wisconsin Herd games back in the day. And it was literally just the Christian Wood show. I mean, it was unbelievable. They were just giving him the ball. He was basically playing point guard, physically dominating everyone. And that always had some pause with me because I was like, well, okay, well, he's not going to do that in the NBA. That's, that's, that's not potentially the style of play that's going to get him to play with the Bucks this season. Now, we know how that panned out, and he's certainly become a, an effective player with the Houston Rockets. So that'll be a conversation that, that goes on forever. But when I watch Diakite play, he is doing the things that I could see him doing with the Bucks. He's just simply rolling to the basket, dunking everything, rim protecting, being a versatile defender and spacing the floor and shooting the three. So I will say that the skill set that he does have, I think is translatable to the NBA moving forward. Again, history tells us that rookies and particularly tall, skinny rookies, and certainly undrafted rookies. I don't even know if there's one that's ever come into a team and helped them on a contender. So my, my, the expectations of what he could do or what he will do this season are very, very low. I know that there's a lot of people that, that aren't around that, uh, that don't uh, sort of agree with me there. But I will say this, I think it's important to keep him around because he's intriguing enough. And the Bucks need, let's be honest, the Bucks need some cheap contracts. It's, it's, he is intriguing enough that to me, 
you can't afford to let him go. I actually agree with that. Despite my sarcasm earlier, I, I do agree with you that Diakite is easily the most interesting prospect that the Bucks have. Of the four young players that they have control over uh, between the newly signed Powell, Diakite himself, and Sam Merrill and George Bora, Diakite easily, easily has the highest ceiling. He has excellent tools, fantastic tools for a frontcourt player. The fact that he can stretch the floor or pack the three-point line is obviously – a prerequisite for somebody of his build and his play style in the modern NBA. The fact that he has experience in a good system like Virginia, he played for four years there, uh, you know, won the national championship uh, with Virginia in his, his senior season. It definitely bodes well for his ability to contribute and his ability to fit into a winning culture. The fact that his role is going to be drastically different than Christian Wood's role in both the G League and the NBA is absolutely a sign of his viability at the higher level. Well, let's be, let's be honest. When we were trying to compare Christian Wood to Mamadi Diakite, Christian Wood wanted to be the man. He definitely has an alpha personality. He carried himself like a superstar, which, granted, like he was on his grind for years. I, don't, I can't even remember how many other teams he went through before he finally landed in Houston. Good for him. Like, that's a major, major success story. And he deserves a lot of credit for making that work. Diakite is more over himself than Christian Wood was. And that's not a slight against Wood. He wanted to be the star player, and he carried himself as such. It wasn't ever going to work here in Milwaukee because Giannis was ahead of him on the depth chart at the same position. And those two guys, like, yeah, they have a ton of talent, but it's not like a pickup game. If you're trying to scheme an actual like NBA game or in a seven game playoff series, like those two guys didn't have enough complementary talents to actually work and raise your ceiling. Dikite can because of how he protects the rim, how he spaces the floor, which we talked about a little bit. He does, he seems to be able to do a lot of the little things that to me, it's, it screams role player. And even though he is a little undersized for a center, like maybe he can play the center position a little bit. Um, he's, he's only six foot nine, which was surprising to me. I'd assumed that he was taller, but uh, that seven three wingspan, I guess, is is just really, <laughs> uh, you know, really impactful, and then kind of leads you to believe that somebody's bigger than they actually are. There is a ton to like, a ton to like about Diakite. If we let expectations run out of control, then are we going to all of a sudden judge his you know initial season in Milwaukee as a failure? No, that would be completely unrealistic and completely unreasonable. But that seems to be the way that we're heading, which honestly is just it's setting him up to fail, and that I don't think is fair. I think one thing again, and I sort of briefly, briefly touched on this at the start of the show, the, the challenge for guys like Diakite this season, and certainly Sam Merrill and Jordan Warrer as well, is the fact that they're just not getting time to practice with the team. They're not getting time to scrimmage. And I think that that certainly is impacting these guys opportunities to impress and to get those chances and I think it's unrealistic to sit there and say oh bud play this undrafted rookie ahead of Brooke Lopez I mean it's just not going to happen it's interesting that you mentioned role player it's funny because when I was thinking about okay potentially like what what impacts if if because I see people saying well the Bucks need him this season I'm like okay well I, I don't think that he's going to play this season who knows anything could happen maybe he will I would certainly be um, you would you would I'd be interested. I'll, I'll say that. But would he play at the four or the five? As you said, certainly he's got switchability. He's athletic. He can do stuff like that. He can rim protect. He can shoot the three. 
The best case scenario, honestly, for him, I, I feel like in the next couple of seasons is like a thon, a playoff thon maker, right? And people laugh at that and they say, what are you talking about? He can't catch the ball. He wasn't a, he wasn't a consistent player. Well, it's true. But thon maker, the playoff player, per 36 averages 10.6 rebounds and three blocks. And we remember he was an impactful player. So when I think about Diakite, if he was going to play this year, yeah, it would maybe he'd play five to 10 minutes here or there bring impacts, block a couple of shots, hit a three, who knows? But I, I think that that's the ceiling and that's fine. Again, I think it's more about not letting a guy that does have this, seeming, seemingly have this upside slip away to someone else then you find out elsewhere that he's a legitimate NBA player. I think that's the thing you're just trying to avoid here. It's also worth noting that surprisingly, he is actually 24. So he's only... Yep. 12 months younger than Christian Wood, which is, which is kind of the funny thing to think about there. But certainly, I think it's, it's worth noting that I do believe those two are very, very different players. Yeah, absolutely. And when you put the mold that surrounds someone else on, on to Diakite, it's just, he's, he's not necessarily going to live up to it. Get, getting a chance to be around the NBA team, which he was at the beginning of the year, like, he didn't get sent down to the G League until the bubble started. So he's, he spent a, a fair amount of time with the parent club in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I, – I just – I don't see how realistic it is to expect him to come in and contribute at, at his – I mean, he's, he's 20 pounds lighter than Bobby Portis. He's roughly the same size as Jordan Wara. And yeah, he's, de- he's definitely got superior length, and he, he seems to have really, really good instincts. But how well is that going to translate to the NBA level? I would love for the Bucs to be able to find out. But we're also not in the same place that we were in 2014 when there were no actual expectations. And you know, the team isn't, wasn't in serious playoff contention and, and, and had aspirations to make the NBA finals. Like, There's a lot of people that are willing to write off the Bucs because of their regular season struggles. And if you want to write off the Bucks, that's fine. The last two playoffs, they didn't follow through on what they were set up to do. And they're specifically and intentionally doing things differently this year to avoid that letdown for a third postseason in a row. But there still is no guarantee that it's actually going to work. And so if you carry yourself like, oh, well, we have to build for the future. We have to make sure that we you know, find these contributors around Giannis. Like, that, that's all well and good. But we, then are we going to be throwing more games? Because we need to force feed minutes to Mamadi Diakite. I don't think anybody is going to want to do that. Based on the reaction that I saw on Twitter to the Denver game, like nobody wants to lose games, you know? And I don't think that the excuse of, oh, they're making adjustments during the season, they don't get the practice, which has not been received very well, I can assure you. And, and that's fine. People are entitled to their opinion. But I don't think that that excuse carries any more weights than, oh, well, Mamadi Diakite needs to get ready. It's just he's 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 already twenty four years old. The guy has not played that much basketball in his career. I think I read I didn't read the actual source, so please forgive me if I'm spreading misinformation. But I saw there was a comment that somebody posted on Brewhoop on on the article that I posted about his call up, and somebody you know went into a little bit of a deep dive and, and discovered that he played soccer for the majority of his youth and was a goalie, which uh, apparently is a great use of his quickness and his length and his athleticism. And he didn't really start picking up basketball until maybe two or three years before he went to college, which explains why he spent four years at Virginia. And yeah, it's great that he found success there, but like the guy doesn't have a ton of basketball experience. So asking him to come in 
and do anything beyond a very specific job description with very simple reads is just, un- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is a savant. Maybe he is able to figure it out because it's, his physical tools are so superior in every way to Brooke Lopez, which a lot of his tools are, not all, not all, let's be clear. Like Brooke, Brooke Lopez isn't all of a sudden some slouch just because the Bucks defense overall is worse. And we can talk about that later if we want to. But it's, it's not all about physical tools and what you do with them. It's about timing. It's about communication. It's about understanding and recognizing your reads and then, you know, effectively moving off of those reads. And maybe he gets a chance to do that in garbage time. That'd be great. But it's unrealistic to expect anything more than that this season. It just is. Yeah, I, I think probably just tempering the expectations. I mean, it's boring doing that, though. Like, let's admit that. It is, it's boring tempering the expectations. And that is my brand, Kane. <laughs> that is exactly why I'm here, to bring everybody down. Well, it, it is more fun to speculate on what he could do. And I think that, listen, there's an argument where people will say, well, yeah, I mean, his, his, uh, you know, historically, you, sh- you shouldn't expect that he's going to come in and have an impact because history tells us that that's not necessarily what undrafted guys do. But also, you'll never know if you don't give him the chance. I think it was Justin Wills I've, uh, on Twitter, I, I believe, that I saw a tweet uh, something along the lines of just giving the minutes that Thanasis would get him. And, you know, I'm fine with that. That would be cool. I mean, Thanasis really, over the last week or so, has only been playing that five to ten minutes anyway. He provides the energy. I certainly don't think that you're going to lose or have a lack of energy if you put a dear Kite out there. So yeah, sign me up. That would be great because that's how you'll get a chance to find out, even if it's just a, a few minute stretch here in the first quarter, second quarter, some non-garbage time minutes, I think is where you'll truly find out because we've seen early this season, and this is true with all rookies. So this isn't a knock on anyone, but we've seen at times when Sam Merrill and Jordan Wara have got their opportunity in non-garbage time minutes. It's difficult. It's difficult for these guys to get up to speed, particularly with all the limitations they have this season. So again, it's not a knock on anyone. I think overall, everyone's, trust me, everyone is intrigued. Everyone's excited. I'm, I'm just, I, I would love it to be a difference maker. I'm just not sure that we'll see that. And I'm not sure whether you can really be mad about that. The only thing that, again, I would say is keep him around. Let's see what we've got long-term here because that will be uh, the thing that's, that's worth the bucks looking into. Uh, before we... Uh, look into sort of the halfway mark stand-ins and, and have a bit of a discussion around that. I want to talk about rockauto.com, which is the family business that has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in their how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. The Bucks right now, third in the Eastern Conference, Mitchell. And, you know, considering... 
what we've been used to over the course of the last two regular seasons, it does feel like it's been an incredibly rocky start to the season. And, you know, the five-game losing streak certainly doesn't help there. Outside of that, if they had have won a couple of those games that we thought they probably should have, despite the fact Drew Holiday wasn't there, let's not overlook that, then they'd probably be sitting at first in the East there. So overall, I don't think it's as disastrous as what it has been. But just to give some perspective of why, it might be frustrating to watch this team and see as many losses as they've had. And it feels like it's just an absolute disaster. In 2020, or in the 2019, oh, sorry, the 2018-19 season, the Bucks were 48 and 14. And last year, they were 55 and 14. And that 14th loss only came uh, in the bubble. So to be 21 and 14 now, okay, I can give you that. I can understand why there's a bit of angst. Personally, I, everyone knows that listens to this show. I'm not as worked up as most about some of the losses and the starts of the season this year. In fact, I still do think that they're in a pretty good position. But I can understand. It does feel like these losses are piling up in a disastrous way. It feels that way. It does feel that way. And again, I go back to the point that I made. Maybe it was a little harsh, but I think it deserves to be made again in that we are dying for some sense of normalcy after the last 12 months that we've had across the world. And so having basketball available on League Pass or on TNT or ESPN or whatever every night really helps just feel a little bit more normal. I know it's done – it legitimately has helped with my ability to cope with the state that the planet is in. Um, But, you know, it is what it is, and we we control what we can control. And with the Bucks having – taken such a large step down compared to what we've been accustomed to, it is alarming if you look just at the totals. If you look at the rest of the league and the way that the records are shaking out everywhere else, like, did you know that as of right now, there's only four teams in the Eastern Conference that are above 500? <laughs> like, even, like, I know that people bag on the East for being like the JV to the Western Conference's varsity. And yeah, like top eight seeds in the West are above 500 as is, you know, the ninth and 10th teams. So whatever, we're not going to talk about the West right now, but it's just, it's a remarkably weird season. It was when it first got announced that it was happening in December. Is that getting pushed back? Like I thought it should, but whatever. They didn't ask me, which is fine. I'm not exactly (laughs) on Adam Silver's speed dial, but like they, they, they decided they were going to go ahead and do it. And they put the schedule together and the schedule is super compressed and the off season truncated. And let's not forget the bucks. It was, I think almost as close to unanimous as it gets with a fan base. Nobody was willing to accept business as usual from Mike Budenholzer and the, the franchise over the course of the season this year, because we saw it the last two years when you just cited the regular season success and the fact that they were world beaters in the regular season, they specifically lost in the playoffs in part because they didn't have a plan B when plan A didn't work. It happened against Toronto two years ago. It happened against Miami in the bubble last year. And if they just did the same thing, sure, maybe they're competing with Utah for the best record in the league, which by the way, they're only at 27 and eight. Like they're not cruising ahead at like 33 and one or something preposterous like that. Like Utah has lost games too. And they're by far the best team in the league by record. It's just the, 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 the way the, the schedule is put together and the way that teams overall ha- have very limited practice time puts everybody at less of an advantage than they were in years past under normal circumstances. And the Bucks had to out of necessity, not just even Mike Budenholzer's job security. I'm sure he doesn't even care 
about his job security. I'm sure he cares about being able to win. And whether he likes it or not, he did finally admit through his actions, if not his words, that change was required. And change is hard, especially when they didn't have endless resources to restock the roster for, you know, to get players with skill sets that are perfectly suited for the changes they need to make, particularly on defense. It's part of the reason why Brooke Lopez is under so much scrutiny right now is because he's not suited for a switch-heavy defense because he's big and he's not as fast as a lot of his counterparts across the league. And so looking at the record, sure, the fact they're only seven games above 500 right now, like, yeah, that's disappointing. That's not what I want. I want them to be 35-0, and 0, not 21-14. and 14. But, you know, this is where they're at. They're still in that top tier of the East. They're still only, what, I think they're two games behind Philadelphia for the lead. Like, I'm, I think that they are well-situated to remain in, in that top tier for the duration of the regular season. And all of the growing pains they're going through now are going to pay off in the playoffs. It's really interesting to me because currently the Bucks, uh, their offense has been fantastic all season. We spoke a little bit yesterday about, yesterday about the fact that the three-point percentage has taken a little bit of a dip lately. We'll see where that ends up trending there. But they're still the number two offense league-wide with an offensive rating of 117.3. As far as defensively, uh, they've been on a steady uptick for a while here. And yesterday, obviously, was a, a tough night. Not in the traditional sense, not in the three, from the three-point line, but it was in the paint. But their defensive rating is down to 110.6. So they're up to 11th. They were in the top 10 for a little bit there as well. So considering where it started, considering the challenges they've had and the fact that Drew Holiday was out four or five games as well, uh, look, not, not disastrous, not disastrous. And there's still big question marks. I think the thing you brought up, and we've spoken about Brook Lopez a lot, Uh, this week so I don't want to deep dive into that again but I again the question with a guy like Brooke in in regards to what you want to do with him moving forward I've been on the record to say I think the Bucs are still going to need him in certain matchups come playoff time but the question that the front office will probably be asking themselves is well if we're not maximizing what he does defensively where is the value that he has with this team moving forward that's the question they'll be asking and I just think it's a very different conversation to is he washed or is he slow? Not necessarily to me. I think it's just that he's been put in different positions. So we'll see where that shakes out. But overall, I do think the defense is trending in the right direction. And ultimately, when I look at the standings across the league, there's probably... Let me think about this. There's probably four teams that I sit there and say, geez, I really don't know if the Bucs could win a seven-game series against those, that team. Three of those are in the West. One of them we saw yesterday because Nikola Jokic is an absolute magician. The other team is the Utah Jazz because not just this season, but for years and even prior to Bud, that team has just cut the bucks up with their ball movement. Milwaukee has never been able to figure that out. So that would be a concern to me, albeit the Bucks would very, very clearly have the best player in the series, which is always a big factor in the postseason. And Giannis has had some months tonight against the Jazz. But Utah and Denver, I don't think they're reaching the NBA Finals anyway. So I'm not worried about it. And the other two teams are Brooklyn, and the Lakers, the Lakers, I, I expect, will figure it out if Anthony Davis is healthy and they'll be in the NBA Finals. And the Nets, they're just straight up terrifying. And this is the problem for the Bucs. I do think that they are better, better suited to the postseason this year. I really do. With Drew Holiday, I think the half-court offense is going to be uh, a run more efficiently when it comes to the postseason this year. They'll be able to generate more offense, better offense, more consistent offense. 
but you didn't have the Brooklyn Nets last year. And that's the shame about the Bucks the last two seasons, perhaps not capitalizing, and particularly for me back to 2019, not capitalizing on their success because I don't think we envisioned that you were going to have to come up against Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. So we'll see. But the point being, I don't think the Bucks are in a bad position at all because I still have them right, right, right at the very top in terms of teams that can get out of the East. Yeah, and we also have to consider the fact that luck plays such a huge role in playoff Absolutely. success. Yeah, yeah. It just it just simply does. Like the fact that Kawhi's shot bounced around the rim and then yeah. fell in instead of out and didn't you know they didn't force overtime against the Sixers. Like what if it was the Sixers and the Bucks in the NBA finals that year when when they when they hadn't gotten to the point where they're at now where they're they're I think they're definitely better than they were two years ago. Maybe they're, you know, they're still just as top-heavy, but their talent is a little bit more diverse. Their coaching seems to be more stable with Doc Rivers over Brett Brown. Like, I definitely respect the Sixers more than I have in the past this season. And I agree with you in terms of the, the other teams that I can see. It, in a, in a seven-game series, teams that I would, would not be surprised at this moment in time right now, Teams I wouldn't be surprised could take care of the Bucks in five or six games. Uh, my list is almost exactly with yours. Brooklyn, Utah, Denver, and um, what was it? The Lakers was the fourth one because of AD? Yeah. Okay, so I guess that doesn't really work right now because AD is hurt. But like, if, if we're thinking about the Lakers as their actualized version, like, you can't count them out. They're the defending champions. You just can't count them out. But yeah, like everybody else – in the East, like I know that the Knicks hung an embarrassing, and I hate hate losing to the Knicks more than any other Bucks fan. I guarantee it. Like the fact that they beat the Bucks back when they did, like yeah, that's concerning. They're definitely a lot better than anybody expected with Tibbs at the helm. But like the Knicks don't scare me in a seven game series. The Boston Celtics don't. Honestly, I'm probably more scared of Toronto uh, out of anybody else, simply because of their coaching and the fact that you know Nick Nurse is a really, really good NBA coach in a playoff series, as we've seen multiple times. Uh, like, I, I would be more worried about matching up with them in, like, the first or second round if they happen to, you know, like, pull off an upset if they, they stay in the second half of the Eastern playoff picture. But it, it's all about who you pull and when you pull them and what the state of things is at that time. So if you consider, like, Philly and Brooklyn being the most likely competition – to, to make the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, like Philly has Embiid. You're going to need a big body to play against Embiid. Maybe not exclusively. Maybe there's things that you can do with Giannis somehow defending Embiid. I don't know what those things are. It doesn't sound like a good idea in my gut, but you know, maybe there's things you can do, but it's probably a hell of a lot easier to have Brooke Lopez for it. And with Brooklyn, as they're currently constructed with DeAndre Jordan as their main center, and they don't have many other big men after that, like, Brooke definitely has a place on the floor against that team. So, so yeah, where, where they are currently, no, it's not where we want them. It's, we, there's tons of things that we wish that they had done better or done differently up until this point. But you, you could ask for a lot worse uh, of a start if you, if you wanted to really put yourself in some adversity. It's, it's not ideal, but you know, growth is nonlinear. Growth is ugly. Growth is difficult. And I, I think that when it's all said and done, we will have seen a lot more growth during the season from the team than we had the last two years. 
Well, it's going to be interesting. I think that that's the, the main takeaway here. The Bucks' schedule, honestly, in the second half, to me anyway, when I look at it, is pretty difficult. So they're going to have plenty of uh, challenges along the way. There probably will be at least one minor roster move. We'll wait and see, though. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of intrigue leading up to the trade deadline, and we will discuss... Dear Kite. Uh, well, Kite. Well, Dear Kite Dear Kite. Well. Listen, I mean, who knows? I, I hope... I hope that he ends up becoming an impact player, but uh, we'll see. We'll see whether it can happen this season. But uh, like I said, I've been certainly impressed with what he's been able to do down there in the G League. So we'll see. But he won't be playing tomorrow. The Bucks have got the Grizzlies, uh, or today probably, as you're listening to this. They play at 7 p.m. Central Time. Last game before the All-Star break. And Mitchell, uh, it's always a pleasure. I'm not surprised that we ran a little bit long here. Yeah, I've, I've taken after Frank Madden. Uh, maybe more than some people might like for, for my voice. And uh, I count myself among those people. But you know what? It's too dang fun. It's been too long, and we'll do it again soon. All right. We will be back tomorrow post-game after the Grizzlies. The Bucks are looking to keep pace with those teams at the top of the East there, Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Until then, please let us know on Twitter how excited you are right now with the, uh, the roster move that the Bucks made today. Stay safe. And we'll catch you guys after the game.